Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023, and this is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News. I'm Billy Hollowell. Deadly booby traps in Ukraine and the race against time to protect farmers and the public. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. Make sure you subscribe to the show, give us a rating, share it with a friend, and you can always email your thoughts to us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Head over to cbn.com slash quickstartpodcast for past episodes as well. And joining me today is Trey Goins Phillips. How's it going today, Trey? Good, 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 good. It's a what? What day is it? I see. Okay, I forget what day it is frequently. Because, often, daily, often because we're taping this wonderful podcast every day, and they just all kind of blend together into one really long podcast. <laughs> every every day, every day. Let me just reword. Every day is so wonderful that it just blends together and it's amazingness. Yes. Uh, no, but well, you know, I I am always excited when you when you pick a focus story because it's always exciting. What do you have uh what do you have going on today on the focus story? Well, never did I think we would be talking about uh the lead singer of the hard rock band Kiss on a Christian podcast. Uh but uh, the lead singer has some interesting thoughts on transgenderism and particularly transitioning kids. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. Well, that'll be that will be interesting to hear. And on the main thing today, we have David Curry. He's the president and CEO of Global Christian Relief. That's an organization that monitors global global persecution across the board and across the globe. He spoke to us about the concerning ways that repressive regimes, terrorists, and others might utilize artificial intelligence to further persecute the church. So we'll be getting into that. But before we do, we want to talk about the news here in 90 seconds. Farmers in Ukraine are encountering a deadly problem, hidden landmines that were placed by Russia in now liberated areas. The Ukrainian government's state emergency services are working overtime to help farmers plant crops safely, but they need more support to get that job done. Now, tragically, some of the booby traps that experts are finding are actually really insidious. They're meant to harm innocent civilians. One expert told CBN News they found explosives wired into doors between blankets on beds, even inside children's toys that are meant to explode. Members of Ukraine's Rapid Response Rescue Center undergo a psychological exam before taking on this high-stress job of finding these bombs, and they undergo training to ensure that they can handle the pressure. In other news, the man wanted for killing five of his neighbors in Texas, including a child, entered the U.S. illegally and was deported at least four times. That's according to a U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement source in an interview with CNN. Francisco Oropeza Perez Torres was reportedly first removed from the U.S. in 2009. There were subsequent removals, allegedly in 2009, 2012, and 2016. The FBI is pleading with the public for help finding the alleged assailant. And finally, Bishop T.D. Jakes has announced a $1 billion partnership with Wells Fargo. This is a partnership to increase the economic vitality and inclusivity of underserved communities across America. The T.D. Jakes group will collaborate with Wells Fargo for a period of 10 years. They'll be funding a variety of projects that foster community development. The first project will be the launch of the development of a mixed income housing and retail facility outside of Atlanta. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at cbnnews.com. 
Now, Trey, that brings us into our focus story. And I love the tease you gave a little earlier. Uh, But the lead singer of the rock band Kiss is speaking out about trans surgeries for minors. What is he saying? Yeah, so his name is Paul Stanley. He's 71. And he shared what seemed to be a completely unprompted statement that he published on his social media. It's a, a paragraph long, a kind of a long paragraph. Uh, But he said, well, first, I should say he described transitioning minors as a sad and dangerous fad. Uh, Then this is what he wrote in part. He said, there's a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children into questioning their sexual identification as though some sort of game. And then parents, in some cases, uh, allow it. He said, of course, that adults should be free to make whatever lifestyle choices they want when it comes to transgenderism because they're adults and they, they can do that. Uh, but he said when it comes to kids, quote, turning this into a game or parents normalizing it as some sort of natural alternative uh, or believing that because this little boy likes to play dress up in his sister's clothes uh, or vice versa, we should lead them down steps further away from, uh, from innocence is what he said uh, and into this new kind of sexual identity. So kind of strong words that were unprompted, you know, he didn't have to speak out about this, uh, but he chose to because it's something that he sees as, as an issue. Yeah, and and that's what's interesting to me because he could. You know, a lot of people will avoid this topic because it's right. flammable and it's difficult. Um, and and you said he chose to speak out. Do you have a specific idea of what prompted that? Yeah, you know, I don't have any idea specifically what prompted it, other than just the fact that this is a, an issue that seems to be churning a lot in our culture right now. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender TikTok star, has of course been getting a whole lot of headlines uh, for the activism uh, that, that that individual is is putting out into TikTok, social media everywhere, uh, even talking to to Joe Biden last year, uh, which is is another issue, right? Because I think this is something that one, the issue's not going away, uh, and two, parents are not really getting any support. Uh, from the White House. We have uh, President Biden, uh, who's increasingly stepping out in favor, it seems, uh, of allowing transgender identified children uh, to make decisions when it comes to their bodies. And of course, these decisions are uh, nine times out of 10, completely irreversible. They're experimental. We don't know what the long-term ramifications are of putting uh, an eight, nine, 10 year old on puberty blockers or cross-sex hormones uh, before they reach puberty. Uh, and then of course, you're physically removing body parts, whether it's a female's chest uh, or a, a male's genitals or removing them as, as a minor. Uh, of course, that has the obvious irreversible consequences. Yeah, and and let's talk a little bit more about that because the Biden administration, in light of what you just said, has taken a lot of heat for the position, and the position is clearly affirming transitioning children. But but Biden has also made a number of comments about this on the morality front, on the faith front, almost. I mean, what are some of the things that you've that you've seen him say, and and what were some of your reactions to that? Yeah, just several months ago in an interview actually with Dylan Mulvaney, uh, Biden gave this really long rambling answer to a question uh, from Mulvaney about transgenderism. uh, And he actually did invoke uh, morals, as you said. He said, I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to ban transgender surgeries or treatments as a moral question and as a legal question when it comes uh, to minors. He said that that conservatives are actually just villainizing people who are transgender, whether they're 
minors or adults uh, and are using them as, as political ploys uh, to try to make some sort of religious uh, or the, you know, theological argument. Uh, when in reality, there are a lot of parents of every political stripe, every religious background who take issue with minors going through these kinds of irreversible changes. I don't think it's a one religion uh, or one political demographic issue. I think it, it has a lot of general appeal uh, because parents are really concerned about this, uh, but they're not really getting any support uh, from the White House. And in, in fact, in March of last year, so a little more than a year ago, uh, the Biden administration seemingly uh, embraced transgender treatments on minors. The Department of Health and Human Services, uh, they put out uh, a document that was titled Gender Affirming Care uh, and Young People. And that document, CBN News covered it at the time, uh, promoted top and bottom surgeries, uh, as well as puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones uh, for minors. And then also Rachel Levine, uh, an assistant secretary of health who is also transgender, uh, has said uh, that that the White House supports, quote, gender affirming care uh, and said that doing those things saves lives. And of course, uh, Levine has faced a lot of backlash for those comments because they've been overly exaggerated, right? We don't actually know, uh, are they contributing to saving kids' lives or are they actually just irreversibly harming children uh, when they shouldn't be making these kinds of huge decisions anyway. And I think that, you know, th this topic is so difficult because I would love nothing more than for us to never have to speak about it again. But I find right. that we have to repeatedly on the show and all the time talk about it because it has become such an ingrained topic in our culture, right? I mean, you have this guy from KISS speaking out because probably because he's so bothered by it. I think people are finding themselves, you know, when you're in a room and somebody says something uncomfortable and everybody's looking around, like, did everybody hear that? Like you're trying to react to it, but you don't want to react to it. I think that was culture for a long time. And now we've moved to a place where people are reacting to it because it's so horrific and they feel the need to. And I don't know about you, but with children, kids, Kids are not capable of making life-altering, lasting decisions. And so one of Adults the things hardly are able to. <laughs> right, right. I mean, what is it? 25 years old is when your brain is apparently fully developed. And yeah. we're expecting these kids to make decisions. I mean, it doesn't even flow logically in any other sense of the word from a psychological perspective of children. I, why do you think that culture is co-signing, not all of it, but so many parts of culture from Budweiser down the line are co-signing all of this without thinking twice? Well, I think a lot of it is we have to approach it as Christians, I think, from a biblical perspective and realize, and you've talked about this uh, so many times, Billy, that I think we live in a world, and it's easy to forget this, that's spiritually blind to so many of these issues. And we know from scripture, who's in charge of the world right now? It's Satan, right? The, the prince and power of the air uh, is in charge of, of how culture is driven right now. God's given him that dominion. Of course, we know ultimately he's going to be chained up and, and God will, will take over ruling and reigning in the new heaven and earth. But for right now, uh, Satan has a lot of dominion and a lot of ability to, to play around uh, with people. And you know, play is probably not the right word because this is stuff of eternal and significant consequence. Uh, but I think that's what we're seeing right now is a world that is really spiritually blinded. Uh, and, and we as Christians have a responsibility to share that light and to share that truth because I think it's easy to villainize people, uh, to villainize people who are transgender or who want to be an ally to the LGBT community. But we have to remember they're not the problem, uh, right? They're, they're looking for identity. They're looking for a place to belong 
and they don't know where that is. They have a God-shaped hole, as cliche as that sounds, and they're looking to fill it with all kinds of junk uh, that's not going to satiate that hunger uh, for significance and for meaning and for identity and for purpose and all of that. Um, And then also, I just have to say, isn't it strange that we're covering this Kiss singer for saying what he said because it's so rare? It's so rare for somebody to say something that's completely logical and normal and understandable. It's like everybody's running around with three heads and there's one person saying, why does everybody have three heads? Like that's the, that's the logical (laughs) thing to ask. Well, that, and that's the thing, right? Like it's the whole thing about being in the room where somebody's saying something uncomfortable. You suddenly, you find yourself, you know, people would laugh at the safe spaces. They would laugh at Hollywood. They would laugh at all the weird things that were happening and being said and being done. Now those, those strange things have poured over into the mainstream and they're being pushed on people and people feel like they have to be silent. And so to your point, when somebody is willing to speak up, it suddenly becomes shocking. Whereas 10 years ago, this would have been the predominant position standing up and yeah. saying, no, this is not okay. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much more we could say about all of it, but, but that topic, it's going to continue to, to pop up and percolate over and over again. Um, as time progresses, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the end of that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, I, this is not going anywhere. And unfortunately, I think we're ramping up for the next presidential election, uh, you know, just after the, it seems like the first one or the latest one ended, we're going into the next one. Uh, and I think sexuality in this new wave of the sexual revolution, I think is going to be front and center in a lot of the conversation. Absolutely. Well, Trey, thanks for bringing that story and that conversation. That brings us today to our main thing. And as calls to use caution when it comes to artificial intelligence kick up a notch, there's a persecution watchdog sounding the alarm on how this emerging technology could actually harm persecuted Christians. David Curry, president and CEO of Global Christian Relief, spoke with us about the concerning ways that repressive regimes, terrorists, and others might utilize AI to further persecute the church. Here's what he had to say. What most concerns you when it comes to AI and the persecuted church? Well, the example that pops out that is a clear and present danger is China and their use of artificial intelligence to monitor the movement of their population. In particular, then, they have a social scoring system which tracks church attendance and can prohibit children under the age of 18 from going to church, or if it can't prohibit it, it will certainly punish you on your social score. So that's happening right now. What we're trying to raise the alarm on is the effects that will grow as more and more of these artificial intelligence technologies come online, the way in which the biases of and assumptions that are built into this predictive modeling could affect religious faith. In particular, uh, obviously, we're focused right now on the persecution of Christians, the monitoring of Christian activity, the censorship of of, uh, worship services, pastors, posting of videos, all the various implications of artificial intelligence. One of the things that I know you've raised, and I, you know, I had not thought of this, but when you look around the world at persecution and how easy it is to accuse a Christian of doing something they didn't do, and other groups as well, but but Christians in particular, to say, oh, that person said this or they did this. And in certain countries, that could mean your livelihood or your life, right? And you have this deep fake issue, right, where videos could be created to make things look like they happened when they didn't. Talk a little bit about that, because that 
seems particularly terrifying when it comes to this persecution issue. Well, I mean, this, uh, you know, fundamentally, the human uh, spirit is is meant to see a threat when we perceive that we're somehow involved or have done something which, you know, maybe we could get in trouble for. And so the common discussion is, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Why should I be concerned? Well, deep fakes, artificial intelligence can create a situation where it looks as though you are doing something is a threat to that because it, it, it in in many cases around the world, blasphemy uh, accusations or mob violence by extremists against Christians is not based on an actual event that happened, but on a word of mouth. Somebody said that they slandered Muhammad. A mob comes, attacks, kills, burns the church down, and it's done before the facts can catch up. So deep fakes, uh, right now people are playing with them. You've seen versions of them uh, on the Internet as people are like, wow. I mean, for example, I saw one today. People are make, you know, making it seem as though they're hiking along with a, with a bear, and it's you know, kind of a cute little idea. It's a deep fake, and uh, a bear seems to be part of their hiking group having fun. Well, I mean, there are some really pernicious and difficult angles on this as we look forward to what could be done with deep fakes to frame people who are, you know, maybe doing something that wouldn't be a normal part of religious expression in some parts of the world or is, is forbidden by their government and they want to go to church and they want to worship, they want to pray. This will happen. You add on to it the policies uh, and the predictions and assumptions built into artificial uh, uh, intelligence around predictive policing, that they're they're working out formulas as like who's a threat and who's not. The biases to, against Christians and against uh, uh, practices of faith is, is significant in many places around the world. That could be another issue with it. I wanted to ask you one other thing about weapons, because this has come up a lot. You know, how are certain countries or groups potentially going to use AI to restrict groups like persecuted Christians using weaponry? Well, there are, there are autonomous weapon systems, and these are built on programs which are made to identify uh, threats, and the, the, the weapon make a decision on its own. There's already some level of sophistication. We see this in Nigeria from terrorist groups like uh, ISIS, West Africa, um, Al-Shabaab, where they're using technologies to narrow down the target of Christian population, cut them off from tech, from, from cell service, etc., and then, and then attack. So it's a short uh, leap from that to using autonomous weapons, which already exist, to, to make decisions to find out, let's say, attack churches on a Sunday morning, etc. So this is a possibility. Then we're just beginning to scratch the surface of how AI will be involved in that. That's why we need to get these laws. We need to raise the alarm to get laws which protect a religious expression for, for minorities around the world. And many of our viewers will not view the Christian faith as a minority religion, but it is all over the world. Maybe perhaps not here in America, but in many places, Christians are 2% of the population, 4% of the population, a fraction of the population, or the, the, the ruling political party, the dictator or the communist system or whatever wants to snuff out the expression of Christian faith and they'll use all of the censorship 
all of the programming assumptions of artificial intelligence, and even predictive policing and weaponry、uh, that will make these decisions in the near future. We're not looking at a far horizon. I think in the next five to ten years, you're going to see this escalate to be maybe the issue of our time. That was David Curry. You can watch the full interview over on CBN News's YouTube channel. That was an interesting conversation for sure, and really, I hadn't heard much about that before sitting down with David Curry about AI and the persecuted church. So, lots to ponder there and pray over.、Uh, but that brings us to one last thing. Yeah, we're going to look at James one five through six, and it says,、uh, "If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind."、Uh, it goes on to say that that person is double-minded, right, and in, in all that they do.、Uh, so I think it's important to be one to go to God for wisdom, because our world is crazy, as we were talking about in the focus story, right? We need、uh, that wisdom from God, and then trust that He's going to provide it. Yeah, and, and that image of being sort of like anybody who's been on a cruise ship or in the ocean or on a boat knows what that's like to be bounced around. It's such interesting imagery that I think just reminds us of how steady we need to be. And as you were saying, where do we go for that? We go to the Lord. So. Powerful, powerful final word on the show today, and that's all the time that we have for you. If you want a Christian perspective on the news, again, make sure you subscribe, leave a rating, email us at quickstartpodcast@cbn.org, and don't forget go to all the platforms and subscribe wherever you listen. Go to all of them. Only nice things. We want wonderful comments, wonderful ratings for the shower for the show. And Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 